You're listening to Business Stories with Ryan Arcarachi, where I speak to business professionals from all walks of life. Thanks for listening, and let's get to it. All right. Happy Friday, everybody. It's the Friday before Labor Day, and uh, this is going to be an interesting episode. I've got my good friend and confidant, Drew Chalfont, on the show. He's got some legal background in franchising as well as franchise development experience. And if you're a franchise consultant, this is an excellent uh, episode for you. We're going to talk a lot about how to approach your consulting, how to be more empathetic, and really drive more interest in people working with you. So, Drew, thank you for being here. Tell us all about you and your background. We're interested to hear about that. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here and and share. Um, I, I'd like to think, you know, without sounding too self-aggrandizing, I've got kind of an, an interesting background. I've kind of worn a, a few different hats in the franchise world. So I'll kind of just start at the beginning. And, um, you know, most people that I talk to, they kind of have fallen backwards into franchising. There's not too many people who are, you know, whether it's they're an undergraduate or they're in business school that they know for certain that, oh, the, the franchise industry is definitely where I want to be. And if anything, in a lot of the business schools, there's almost almost a stigma around it, almost that it's like, you know, it's business with training wheels. It's not uh, it's not high finance or it's not it's not something that gets taught a lot. So my kind of my falling backwards into it, I was in law school at the time and I was working my way through law school by shaking margaritas for a living. I was working as a bartender at a a little uh, taco taqueria and tequila hipster bar in downtown Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And so it was shaking margaritas by night. It was you know briefing cases and and going through law school by day. Mm-hmm. Um, there there was a regular customer who would stop into the bar pretty frequently, a couple couple nights a week, and he was always he was always pretty well dressed, but also looked a little bit frazzled. And he was usually coming in, you know, after the eight, eight, nine p.m. hour um, to get a bite to eat and wind down for the day. So, you know, one thing led to another, just kind of bartender banter. I ended up finding out, you know, he was in-house counsel for a franchise development firm that had also just launched its first franchise brand where they they owned it. They were the franchisor. Mm-hmm. And so he's working in franchising and he's absolutely swamped, absolutely buried. I am in law school, just finishing up my first year of law school. And I'm looking for, you know, an internship or a summer associate position, just you know, I'm kind of new to the professional world in general. And one thing led to another um, bartender banter turned into a, Hey, why don't you come up to the office on Monday? And, you know, by the end of that week, I was reviewing my first, you know, franchise broker consulting network agreement and, and providing notes to him as he was the, uh, the general counsel for the company. So, um, that company was called St. Gregory Development Group. That was the development firm. And the brand that they had just launched was an indoor cycling concept called Cycle Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had both channels running at the same time, right? We had the development side where we had a number of clients where we were their outside third-party sales force. We also had Cycle Bar where not only were we selling franchises for Cycle Bar, but the joke we made was, you know, with Cycle Bar, we actually have to stick around and raise the kids, right? I mean, as the <laughs> franchise where we had to, we had to actually help them find real estate, help them get through grand opening, help them get them open and profitable. Um so I stuck around uh, through the re- the remainder of my tenure in law school. I stuck around 
after passing the bar exam and ended up in the in-house legal department for St. Gregory and Cycle Bar. Right as I'm graduating law school, um, Cycle Bar and St. Gregory got acquired and Cycle Bar got kind of packaged up with uh, a brand called Club Pilates, who we also represented at St. Gregory for their sales efforts. Those two brands got packaged together into Exponential Fitness. Exponential Fitness then went on a shopping spree over the next couple of years and bought a number of other fitness concepts. And they've kind of turned themselves into the 8,000 pound gorilla in the room as far as boutique fitness franchising goes. Um, from there, St. Gregory uh, was around for a couple more years uh, until eventually the owners and the founders had kind of, you know, they, for lack of a better term, had just said, we've gone on a good run. It's It's been a lot of fun. And we've had, you know, the opportunity to take a brand all the way to a large, you know, a large place and place them into a platform where they can grow even further from there. Mm -hmm. And they kind of just elected to to let St. Gregory kind of fold in and let everyone start to write the the next chapter in their story. For me, that the next chapter for me was founding a franchisor focused law firm where we were doing, we were writing franchise disclosure documents, franchise agreements, registering them in the various states, and then just providing kind of like, you know, cradle to grave legal representation for franchise brands. Um, did that for a couple of years. Uh, Fran Devco which uh, is the organization that I'm at now. Uh, they were a client of mine at the law firm. Very, very familiar with what Frandevco does. They are in the franchise development space. They're an FSO, a franchise sales organization. Um, that was my background at St. Gregory. And uh, it just made a lot of sense after meeting with their ownership group and their leadership team. They were interested in having me have a more meaningful relationship with them than just lawyer client. And in May of this year, I came on board here at Fran Devco. I packed up the uh, two kids, two dogs, fish, and a wife, and we we loaded all that into the, the old station wagon and made our way down to Charlotte uh, from Cincinnati, Ohio. So I've been down here for the past few months. Um, feels very much like a, a fish and water situation. Um, feels kind of like a homecoming, coming back over to the development side. Uh, and it's I have the the ability to kind of you know, filter things through that kind of legal compliance lens, but also make sure that that's balanced against, hey, we've we've actually got to get business done too, right? So yeah. like, while it's helpful to have that ability to spot red flags and helpful to say, you know, here's our exposure if we take this path or here's what this brand, you know, maybe should or shouldn't do in their FDD. Uh, um, ultimately, it's much more of an operations role down here, not a council role. And yeah. uh I'll be honest with you. Getting back on the Fran Dev side, I, I really, really enjoy it. I've got I've got fewer clients. We represent fewer brands here at Fran Devco than I represented as an attorney at the law firm, but it means that I'm also able to have a more meaningful and deeper relationship with those brands, which I really, really enjoy. That's that's a incredible yeah incredible story on your background there. And now I want to take this from the perspective of a franchise consultant, but also as a franchisor, an emerging brand we talk about mindset and I don't think people realize as a franchisor or franchise development person, you know, it, it can seem like a mountain that's hard to climb when you're, when you're approaching, you're a new brand and it's just, there's so much going on. Let's talk about like mindset with a new and emerging brand or as a franchise consultant, where, where do you have to be mentally and what do you have to be prepared for to make this successful? Cause you, you've been around, you, you've climbed that mountain before. So Sure, sure. So I think uh, I'll take the franchisor side first. I think 
what's really important if you're an emerging franchise or maybe you're just getting your FDD done or maybe you've just welcomed in your first franchisee maybe you've had some traction with a development professional whether that's internal whether that's an FSO like us whether that's just working directly with the franchise or uh, consultant networks that are out there helping you find potential franchisees what's really really important to keep keep an eye on is you got to watch your your EQ because this game is about EQ much more than it's about IQ right i mm -hmm. mean you can you can be the smartest person in the room but when you're franchising your brand you are welcoming new personalities into the mix and while these people have a contractual relationship with you they are i mean bossing them around left and right and constantly you know as an attorney we used to tell clients that this agreement that we're going to put in front of you it's going to be full of it's going to be full of carrots and sticks yeah. um the carrots are ways for you to incentivize your franchisees to help strengthen the system help play nice in the sandbox there's also going to be sticks where if somebody has gone too far off off track that we can reel them back in you know based on the sticks that are in the contract you, your ratio of how often you should use carrots versus sticks it should be about you know five to one like if you're yeah. using if you're using a lot more stick than carrot um you're gonna end up with you're gonna end up with a mutiny on your hands right so right. your relationship with your franchisees when you're a franchisor i mean sometimes it feels like Sometimes it feels like a spousal relationship. Sometimes it feels like business partners. Sometimes it feels like parent-child. Sometimes it yeah. feels like employer-employee. Sometimes it feels like all of those things at once, right? Right. So having a high level of EQ and understanding what, I mean, you've agreed to be a steward of these people's futures, right? I mean, right. a lot of the franchisees in a system are not you know, it's not these like mega private equity investors who are just like, let's go open 50 stores for this barbershop. That's not who the garden variety franchisee is. The garden variety franchisee is somebody who maybe they've got some business experience. Maybe they built up some, some capital into a retirement account. They then leverage that retirement account and leverage that business experience and use the franchise model to become an entrepreneur for the first time. So yeah. if you, if you don't have the EQ, that recognizes how scared these people are, how much for a lot of these people, it is their first time as an entrepreneur. It's their first time truly betting on themselves at the level at which they're betting on themselves without necessarily having as much of a safety net as they're accustomed to. Um, that's the that's the personalities that are in your franchise system. And you have agreed to be kind of and not in a patronizing way but you've i mean you've agreed to be mother goose right like you need right. to be you need to be cognizant of what level of investment these people have made in your franchise brand not just in terms of dollars and cents but also in terms of what their life looks like like they get up every morning and you know they put 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 their boots on and come to work for your brand and you need to understand that like treating them as just just having a respect having a respect for that level of commitment that they've made beyond just the financial commitment is really really important for a franchisor right and i think you have to think about too it's not just money it's also time and trying to balance family with right. owning a, a franchise and just managing time and and we talked well you talked a little bit and you sent me an email about franchise developers role as an empathetic sherpa which i think is interesting concept. yeah talk a little bit about what you mean by that and how you can 
you can place that hat on as a franchisor or an emerging brand? Yeah, I think it's, you know, when you are, so, I, and I tell this to our development directors when they start working here at Fran Devco is that they need to understand what is being purchased here, right? Yeah. I mean, if we look at, if, if on the uh, in a ridiculous example, on the far side of the spectrum is, you know, a, a pack of gum or, you know, your grocery run for that week. These are low, these are low investment right. um, pur purchases that you're making. And then, you know, the next step might be a, a car, right? So now the complexity has gone up. Maybe there's a financing component, but at the end of the day, it's a car. Most people, you know, will have purchased several cars throughout their lives. It's not as unfamiliar. Yep. Now you now you move into, let's talk about, you know, personal residence. You know, I, I don't see the average person's going to go through, you know, a handful of houses in their lifetime, it, but it's, it's certainly not an everyday purchase. It's not an every year purchase. And every time right. you go through it, you're reminded of the complexity of it. And then you start talking about, you know, maybe a single family residence that you're going to rent out or a multifamily property. I would say a franchise is still to the right of that, right? Because this is not something, I mean, this is something that's going to be a financial commitment. It's going to be a time commitment, whether you're planning to run it as a manage the manager model, or you're planning to run it where you're in there, you know, scooping the gelato every day. Yeah. Like either way, you're, you're going to be investing some time and you're going to be investing more than just dollars and cents into this. So, you know, I look at purchasing a franchise. I mean, it's right below purchasing an an a going concern operating business, right? Yeah. So when we talk about kind of the empathetic Sherpa approach, it, it starts there. It starts understanding what mountain are you helping them climb mm -hmm. and what 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 is the level of purchase that you're asking them to make. And then, you know, I like the Sherpa metaphor because, you know, sometimes a really good Sherpa, sometimes they're you're clipped in behind them. And sometimes they're clipped in behind you. So sometimes yeah. they're they're kind of pulling you up the mountain, or they're they're being the guide that says follow in my footsteps behind me. Sometimes you know that franchise development professional or that franchisor needs to also be you know behind, kind of leading from behind and pushing them to uh, as long as it's a good decision for them and it's a good fit between the franchisee and the brand. You know sometimes franchisees need to be kind of led to led to that investment opportunity or led to that decision. They need a little help getting over that fear, a little help understanding that, hey, look, you know, we're looking down this crevasse here and yes, it's really, really intimidating, but look, look at all those people up ahead. We've helped yeah. them do it before. I do this every single day. We're going to, we're going to drop, we're going to drop anchor here. We're going to put our right foot here. We're going to put our left hand here. And this is how we're going to get up this little, this little part of the mountain pass. Right. Yeah. So starting from a place of understanding the level of commitment and how much, you know, just of themselves, they're going to need to invest into this opportunity. And then combined with the ability to show them that, look, we've led, we've, we have led the way before for others. And if yeah. they can do it, there was, there was nothing special or magical about them. The only thing that's different between them and you at this moment right now is you just haven't made it to the top of this mountain yet, but yeah. before, before they had you know, they, they hadn't either. Right. Right. So yeah, everybody starts somewhere, right. You right. gotta, you gotta crawl before you walk. So, right. Um, let's talk about, you know, so if we take it from the franchise consultant perspective, because I, I work with a lot of franchise consultants and they, they hate when I say it's franchise sales, they like to say it's consulting. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure I'm clear on that, but there's a, I think new consultants, 
there's really not, they don't really understand the communication you need to have with, with new candidates coming in who want to buy a franchise. And it's similar to like a franchise or there's a lot of fears and anxieties. They're looking at brands. They're not sure what to do, especially if they're brand new to this kind of thing. So I think empathy plays a role in that. And if we look at, you know, we're communicating through emails, through text messaging, through phone call, we're using CRM systems like one, like client tether. Um, how, how do you recommend that communication work? How do you create an empathetic communication process or style without seeming like you're pushing too much? Like it's a sure. delicate dance, right? How do you do that? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think it starts with, it starts with recognizing and embracing your own humanity, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the, the emails that you're going to get from, you know, a target or a Macy's are going to be, you know, polished and dripping with shine. And they're going to be yeah. designed based on, you know, a half a million dollars of market research that putting this verb in front of this noun is what drives people to purchase fabric softener. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, that's not what you're doing as a franchise consultant, right? I mean, you are one, you're leading people through an awarding process, right? So there's still, there should be a gatekeeping function by that franchisor on the other side where it's, you know, as a consultant, I need to present you to a brand that's going to be a good fit for both sides. So if you're not, if you're not, taking the time to learn a lot about your candidate and then also educate your candidate about, you know, franchising in general. What does it mean to be a franchisee? How is it, you know, how is it entrepreneurship, but with, with a guide to help you own the business? So as far as the communications that you're sending out and the way that you're kind of nurturing in that process, make sure that it's a human process, right? Make sure that it's not just these cold canned emails that don't have any personality to them that make them, that make a candidate feel like they're just a widget, that they're just a percentage point inside of a sales funnel. Yeah. Um, and then I would say the other thing too is, you know, making sure that they have the ability to communicate with you or get questions answered, making sure that they have access to whether it's, hey, I'm going to need to to reach out to you at this time or schedule something directly with them. Like make sure that your communications that you're sending out are not a one-way channel, right? Yeah. That it gives them the opportunity. And, you know, if, if you're a busy franchise consultant, you probably have a pretty full calendar. You probably have things booked up pretty tight, right? Well, you'd like to be able to get to everybody at exactly the moment that they want to communicate. I mean, you can only be on one phone call at a time, right? You can only send one text message at a time. So if if your communication's outbound, I think one way that we can display empathy is to show our candidates ways that they can communicate with us in a way that works for us as well as consultants mm -hmm. and as Fran Dev professionals. So get take the time. If you're not super tech savvy, have somebody show you how to do it or spend a little time kind of Googling this stuff, but find a way to put together calendar links where someone can get to you at consistent times. Manage your calendar in a way that is, you know, if you don't want to be contacted at a certain time, if you've got a dentist appointment, block it off on your calendar, right? Like yeah. it's a make it so that they can communicate with you in a way that they will be able to effectively communicate with you. So your outbound messaging needs to be human. And then you need to be a, you need to be a human that they can get in touch with. Because again, going back to this 
understanding of, of what they're purchasing, the level of kind of fear and anxiety around it. And they're looking to you as a consultant to be a trusted advisor. They're not looking to get sold something. They're looking to get matched with something that is the right fit for them, for their family, for what their life is going to look like for the next five, 10, 30 years. Right. right. So, so understanding that this is a long game and, you know, the best consultants, the best franchise consultants that I know, they look at this as truly building a Rolodex of people where, hey, I'm going to put you into a really good opportunity in year one. And then three years from now, I'm going to follow up with you. I'm going to find out how that opportunity is going. And when it turns out you're cash flowing that investment and you now have a manager in place and you freed up some bandwidth. Now let's talk about, you know, how do we, how do we diversify your portfolio with you bought a fitness brand before let's talk about a home services brand now. Right. So the best franchise consultants that I know, they have repeat buyers because they've become trusted advisors. I mean, some of these empire builders that you see as franchisees that consider their franchise consultant, on par with their attorney, their accountant, their financial advisor, they look at the franchise consultant as someone they can go back to and say, Hey, what's interesting. I've got, I'm looking to deploy this much capital. I've got this much amount of bandwidth from a time perspective. What do you got for me? And, you know, if you have, in order to get to that place where you are that franchise consultant, whose phone is ringing with those kind of calls, that is, that's a long game, right? And that does not happen by treating this as a, as I'm selling franchises games, this, that happens by treating this as a, I'm helping real people achieve their dreams and their financial goals and their time freedom goals. Uh, that's what drives that kind of repeat purchase and becoming a really, really top tier player as a franchise consultant. Yeah, that's, that's, those are great tips. And I think too, like I talk to franchise consultants who say, I say, well, what do you do with the people that haven't responded to you or their dead leads or this or that? And a lot of people just say, well, I send them a newsletter. I send them a newsletter once a month or, you know, I'll keep in touch here and there. What do you suggest, Drew? And you've got a lot of experience and you've seen success, you know, right in front of you happen. What what do you recommend you do as as a consultant that with people that have not responded to you, how do you re-engage them or how do you build that relationship for people that, you know, have kind of fallen off the wayside or they're ghosting you or what have you? But then also, even after you've you've replaced them with a franchise, you talk about, you know, con- continuing that lifelong relationship. Um like, how do you approach that? Like these, these dead leads or these people that are non-responsive, how do you get them back in, pull them back in to work with you? That's a really good question, Ryan. So I think what you start from begin with the end in mind is, is, is one piece of advice that I would give. And what I mean by that is look at what you're sending out in the first place. Like how did we get to here? How did we get to a point where this person has never responded to me? Well, if yeah. I go back and I look at the first three things that I've dripped out to them, it, it, am I delivering any value in these communications or am I just, you know, to borrow from, from Gary V is are these, am I sending three right hook emails and then wondering why no one's, no one's getting back to me or am I, am I, am I jab, jab, right hook? Am I sending something of value to them? Am I delivering something of value to them? And then converting to an ask later down in the campaign. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as far as once someone has, so, so start with, 
you know, what am I doing at the very beginning of my communications with this candidate that would like, would I reply to me? Ask yourself that, right? Like send yourself these emails, kind of try to put yourself in the shoes of someone who doesn't know you from Adam and say, like, would I, would I respond to these emails? If that answer is a resounding no, well, now you found step one that you need to work on. Right. Right. And I would say too, if you are, it's all the more so if you're talking about the kinds of things that you send out trying to trying to revive dead leads or trying to bring candidates back into the active portion of your process, you need to deliver even more value there because you've already somewhat lost any interest or trust, right? right. So like really drive value in those communications. And then as far as the, you know, driving repeat business or setting up um, you know, the ability to, to to market to or to present opportunities to people who you think would be a good fit down the road. I mean, there are plenty of, you know, really, really good CRMs out there. I can think of one, I'm sure you can think of it too. There's one called Client Tether that's really good <laughs> yeah. that you, I mean, you can build kind of profiles and you can build tags and you can say, hey, you know, I want to, you know, it, or you can just set up like calendar pings, reminders for yourself of, hey, remind me to reach out to this person in a year to check on how they're doing. And right. just just like being really, really intentional on the relationship building that you do with candidates that you've gotten all the way through the awarding process and all the way to purchase a franchise. Yeah. Use your CR, utilize your CRM, lean on the technology you have and spend that 10 minutes, or maybe it's an hour, two hours at the end of your week. Once the phones have kind of quieted down a little bit, go back and look at what you did in the five days prior and say, Hey, is there anything in here that would I want to follow up with any of these people? Or is it, is it just good relationship building strategy to make sure that, you know, I send a gift or I, you know, we talked about somebody's birthday, maybe let's pop their birthday into the CRM. Like it's, it's these little things, right. And rather than trying to manage it with, you know, a notebook in your pocket or even, even a a calendar that's tied to an email address that you might not be using six months from now. If you know, if you've got a really, really good, robust CRM platform, and you know, that's really the engine that drives your business, have that be your single point system. So that way you'll trust it and then use it. I mean, get the information in there that allows you to provide that kind of that, that 13th donut, right. That allows you to deliver that baker's dozen, Yep. Your CRM can help you do that. It can be the place where you put those little reminders, those little follow-ups, those little things that allow you to deliver a wow factor that right. in retrospect, it's it's really, it's not much effort on the front end to program that in other than forcing yourself to do it, putting some time on your calendar to do it, having the right CRM that can actually capture these things and be that trusted business tool that you use. And then, and then you got to execute, right? I mean, thinking, thinking without action, like that's just, you know, any, any number multiplied by zero is going to be zero, right? So you can think about it all you want. You can set up all the tools you want, but if you multiply that by zero action, you're going to get a zero on the other side of that equal sign, right? So you need to commit to it and actually do it. Um, with the right system, the right tech tool, the right CRM, and then the right, you know, time investment on your part, um, coming from that place of empathy of how do I get things in here that are going to make this candidate or this this 
like now at this point, someone who's purchased a franchise with you, this, this confidant of mine, this colleague of mine in the franchise world, that's going to make them say, wow, when I reach out to them nine months later, because we talked about their wife's birthday, or we talked about, you know, their daughter entering college the following fall at the university that you went to 20 years ago, like yeah. use your CRM to program that kind of stuff in. I promise you those little wow factor things. You do enough of those, you stack up that many inches, it adds up into feet, yards, miles. Yep. Yeah. And I think if we put it all together, you take the empathetic approach, the empathetic communication, and you build that into a cadence or a rhythm in your CRM. And what people don't may not know nowadays, I mean, especially with like client tether, it's it's all automated, right? So you put your candidate on a automated follow-up where they're getting an email from you, a text from you, a phone call from you. And I'm not saying it's happening three, five times a day. You don't want to annoy people, but mm -hmm. you do it in a, you do it in a rhythm and a consistent way that builds that trust and that connection and that relationship. Um, so even if they're not ready right now, six months from now, they're going to get that sporadic email from you. Right. And that's going to make them go, Hey, I remember Drew. He's been keeping in touch with me you know, he remembered that my favorite team is the New York Giants or whatever it is. And uh -huh. you, you go ahead and you, you know, you continue that conversation. And I've had franchise consultants I've talked to use our system and tell me I connected with a candidate. She was a Buffalo Bills fan and I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. And we just kind of went off and talked about that. And that started the relationship off. And then, you know, the next thing you know, she's getting consistent emails and texts and then things start to happen from that. Um, another thing we I wanted to touch on, Drew, is video. I think not a lot of consultants, I think there's a fear of using video. Um, people are afraid they're, they're camera shy or they're super self-conscious. What do you think about that? I think video is powerful, especially on the initial connection to just establish like, hey, I'm a real human being just like mm -hmm. you. I want to help you. Here's my face. Here's me in my home setting or my office setting or heck, I'm even outside, you know. It just creates that human to human connection. What are your thoughts on that or ideas for that? I think I think it speaks back to what we discussed earlier about that that empathy that empathy starting with, you know, be a human being. Yeah. Um, well, it's one thing to be a human being. Like if if you do it in the mirror in the bathroom every morning and nobody sees it, then what's you know, like yeah. so like put yourself out there. I heard a quote the other day. It was, you know, people something to the effect of there's gonna be there's going to be two businesses five years from now there's going to be businesses that are utilizing ai and video to conduct their marketing and then there's going to be everyone else who got acquired by one of those kinds of businesses yeah. right um so if i mean it's not easy i did it at the law firm uh we're doing it here at fran devco it is not easy to hit record that first time but you know you don't need you don't need the fanciest lighting system. You don't need the greatest shotgun microphone in the world. You don't need the fanciest camera that you can buy. And like you can, you can get into analysis paralysis and you can get yeah. into, you, you can prepare yourself into oblivion, right? right? And the more important thing, get your smartphone out, record a video, point, yeah. it, point it at yourself and hit record. Yeah. If you don't want to use it, don't use it yeah. <laughs> hit, hit delete and then and then do another one the next morning or yeah. do another one like but you you have to start somewhere mm -hmm. um because i do think that that is absolutely true that the way that i mean not only are the platforms out there starting to inundate consumers with 
almost nothing but video content. Um, you know, the same thing is happening and I see it every day. I mean, I get these, you know, we're constantly looking at, you know, looking at brands and we'll submit inquiries for brands. And we, I see, I see the marketing, I see yeah. what's coming my way. And there right. is a market difference when, I mean, Ryan, you, you reached out to me, you know, uh, a while ago and I was very, very impressed by, I mean, the emails that I get from you are, it's a funny picture of you. It's a funny, it's a funny GIF. Is it GIF? Yeah. Is it GIF? GIF, uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll, like those kind of things, or it's a, a video where you have taken 15 seconds out of your day to, you know, shoot a short video that says my name. And, and then that ends up in an email that comes out. I mean, yeah. those kind of little things, that's, it's the little, it's just little ground game, right? And again, you don't need, you don't need a fancy production studio. You don't need to go down to, you know, XYZ digital marketing agency to do a, a content filming day. Yeah. Um, you need, you need little stuff. It's small ball. It's button the guy over to third base that like, that's the kind of stuff that gets this stuff done. Yeah. One thing I've noticed too, with brands, and I recommend this for brands I talk to is get a testimonial from your franchisees, have them yes. do a video, have even show them at work, show them how excited they are to be working with your brand. Um, heck, even start a podcast with them. Talk about the brand, talk about the experience, talk about how you're unique, put that in some video, get some testimonials, share those testimonials with potential candidates. And that is powerful. And I, I can't tell you how many brands right now, I mean, the, especially the emerging ones aren't thinking about this stuff. And it's so easy to do. You don't need a $10,000 production budget. You just need a cell Yeah, phone. I think that's, I mean... Yeah. The ability to show someone who is on that, you know, we keep talking about franchise, especially when they're first time franchise buyers being very, very nervous when they see that the the last three people who got placed into the franchise system and who are opening a store or starting a territory in their hometown, when they see that they they look a lot like them that they've yeah. also got that they've also got little league practice tonight and a game yeah. on Saturday. And right. like, they are, maybe they just got they got downsized or maybe they just had kind of had it with, you know, being in being kind of a cog in the wheel for a much larger company. When they see that these are just normal, normal people, just like themselves who, who were able to get over that precipice and get yeah. through that, get through that fear barrier and get into something that was really, truly life-changing for them. Yeah. It, it, it humanizes it. It makes yeah. it seem far less intimidating and scary. And it allows the candidate to really kind of, you know, build, you know, build a vision or visualize themselves as they say, all right, you know what, if this, if this person could do it, who, you know what, maybe they don't even have as an impressive of a background as I do, right? Like this yeah. person's doing it. And then they're the top performing franchisee in the Southwest United States. Well, you know, if I was up for, if I, if I found out that I was up shoulder to shoulder with this person for a job interview, I'd be calling home and saying, you know, honey, I got the job yeah. before even, you know what I mean? So like realize when you see in the form of a testimonial or you just get another person's backstory and you're able to say, you know what, that's, that's me. I, I, yeah. I, that, that I, I, I can do this. Like that's a yeah. real person who did this. It's not, again, it's franchises are not owned for the most part by, you know, these giant, like mysterious fat cats behind a curtain somewhere. It's right. It's, it's people, it's normal Everyday people. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, Drew, it's been awesome talking to you. This has been truly valuable. I know people are going to get a lot of value out of this conversation. 
if people are interested in talking to you, learning more about FranDevCo and everything, tell us how they can reach you, where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So frandev.co, uh, that's our website. There's numerous different ways to get a hold of us there. Um, uh, there's also, I can be reached at drew.chalfont at frandev.co. And, you know, I've never, I've never had a bad cup of coffee. I've never had a, a 15, 30 minute conversation that I walked away from and said, you know, I've, some have been better than others. Sure. Yeah. But I've never had one where I just said, you know what, there's no way that I should have done that. So yeah, yeah reach out. Um, I think, you know, we touched a little bit on my background before working with, you know, brand new emerging franchisors all the way through the kind of more established clients that we work with here at Fran Devco. Um, chances are, you know, if you've got a question, if I don't have the answer to it, I know, I know someone who does, or I can help point you in the right direction. So, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to help, always happy to, to, to add value and as much as I can. And who would you say right now would be like if, if an emerging brand is listening to this or franchise development person or something, who is sort of your ideal client to work with? Are you pretty much running the gamut of everybody or who's sort of your sweet spot? Who do you think you can really help the most? That's a great question. I mean, we are definitely playing in the kind of adolescent brand waters is really what makes the most sense for us. We are not we are not an organization that if you have a you know, if you have Bob and Mary's coffee shop in, in Topeka, Kansas, and you want to go national and you haven't even, and this is your first conversation, your first interaction with the franchise world. Um, can we point you in the right direction? Can we show you people who can help at that stage? Yes, we can. Are we yeah. going to be those people? Probably not. Um, and then also if you are, you know, if you are, if, if you are great clips, if you are subway, um, we're probably not your development partner either. Right. So yeah. anyone who's on that, like really mature stage of their life cycle or someone who's really in their infancy stage, we play very well in the, the adolescent stage. Maybe you've, um, maybe you've gotten your feet wet in franchising. You understand kind of how the landscape works. You understand where franchisees come from, but you just haven't had a lot of luck gaining traction. Maybe you are looking to work more, with the broker consultant world, maybe you're looking to find out how do I find more, you know, franchisees just through my organic network or driving them to my website, things like that. Yeah. We do, we play really well in that space. And then our real, our real specialty is, you know, leading that education process and leading that awarding process and taking candidates hand in hand from bringing that empathetic perspective of we understand we understand where you're coming from we understand the journey that you've been on because we've helped thousands of franchisees go through that same journey and help find the brand in our portfolio that makes the most sense for them um so that's who the franchisors that we tend to work with are usually in that adolescent stage who are looking to really gain traction and looking to 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 add add stores or add territories um, quickly, but smartly and responsibly. I can't, uh, I can't, I can't help turn the the lawyer brain off. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to let a brand sell 200 territories in a year, right? It's just yeah. not responsible. That might be great for our PL. That might be great for us from a revenue perspective. That's not great for us for, from a, a reputation perspective. And that's not right. good for the brands that we represent either. So, right. you know, doing it in a way that is safe and responsible. Uh, again, I just, I can't, 
I, I, I can't turn the legal brain off entirely. So I'm always a little bit of a, I'm a little bit of a, a, a nervous, nervous Nelly when it comes to, uh, to how we sell franchises, but I think that serves us well. And I think it serves our clients well. Yeah. And I think there's such a thing as scaling too fast. I think a lot of people who are new, new to franchising think, oh boy, this is such a great concept. I need to sell 50 or hundred in the first 12 months. And it's like, well, wait a second, let's pull the brakes because are you prepared for that level of responsibility and commitment? Um, so I think people need to be cautious of that too. And that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we position ourselves as, you know, we are at the end of the day, are we here to award franchises? Absolutely. Do we want to do it in a way that is strategic, that is cognizant of what kind of strain that's going to put on you as the founder and on the infrastructure that you currently have and that you need to build? Absolutely. And we do that from a place of having having done it before, right? I mean, right. you know, we've had the front row seat and we've, you know, we've been on the cap table for brands that have gone from first FDD and first franchise sale all the way up through private equity exit with some of the biggest players in the game. So yeah. we've seen we we've seen what it takes and we know and I've also got some you know, I've got some cautionary tales as well, as far as what happens when you fly too close to the sun, when you try to go too far too fast without making sure that you've got the right, you know, tires, axles, and engine on the car. Right, right. Well, Drew, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. I'm excited to keep in touch with you more throughout our time together and um, have a great rest of your day and a good long weekend. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ryan. I really appreciate the opportunity. You as well, sir. We'll be in touch. All right. Hey, this is Ryan with the Business Stories Podcast, and I want to let you know that we are looking for sponsors for episodes. If you have a company that wants to sponsor an episode, please reach out to me at livingryan at gmail.com. And thanks again for listening.